on Skype. Let's make sure that's working properly. It is cool. And then I'm going to push record over here. You get a rhythm. What is that? I don't want that. This is why we do these things. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Why are you giving me that noise? It was fine a second ago. All right, let's try it again. Okay, and what is this? <laughs> we, don't, we don't want that. Hold on a second. Sounds Trackmaster. Oh, there it is, metronome. I don't want that. Okay. <laughs> Looks like time. All right. Uh, okay, I think I turned that off, which is good. And then let's go here. And let's put this back to the beginning. And I'm not sure I have the computer too much. Uh, okay. All right. There we go. We're live. Cool. All right. Hi, Richard. How are you? Good to I'm see doing great. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Superhumans Inc. podcast. My name is Christian, and today I have with me a very special guest, Richard Lee, who's uh, one of the world's foremost researchers on the science of Qigong. And a couple of years ago, the way that I found you, I don't know if I told you this, I think I did, but I was, uh, we were just, we had just set up, decided, and funded the, uh, to shoot the trailer for Superhumans Inc. documentary. And it was like a Sunday night, and I was on one of those streaming channels, and I was watching a documentary on, uh, it was Qigong and homeopathic medicine, things like that. And your name came up. And so I just, just on a whim decided to start Googling the company and your name. And I ended up finding that you actually were still in business, that you were in, uh, in Reno, Nevada. And I think I called the next day and I got one of your assistants and they said, yeah, Richard, be happy to talk with you. And then we actually shot you, uh, in some of the segments for the documentary series, which it was just very kismet. It was very, very cool. So I'm glad that we're still in touch. And um, we haven't spoken in a while, so I'd like you to catch me up on what you've been doing. I saw your website. Um, but uh, first, before we, I, we get into, into that, would you mind just telling, uh, for people who aren't as familiar, um, the research that you're doing, what Qigong is? I know you spent some time, in, obviously, in China. You might want to talk about that. But I guess maybe like a five-minute condensed version of the last 20-some-odd years of your work, if, you can, if I can be so bold as to ask that of you. <laughs> Okay, I've, um, I'm an engineer, and so I have a very kind of uh, rigid uh, scientific background, and I married a Chinese doctor and was taken into the world of first Chinese medicine, acupuncture, herbs, and all that, and yin and yang, and bad qi and good qi, and all this sort of stuff. And... Um, then into the world of Qigong, uh, which is the energetic practice of feeling and moving the energy, cultivating the, the, the qi. Within, and, the uh, within the body and, well, uh, when you're doing the Tai Chi exercises, there's a ball that you play with that's outside the body or between the hands. And then when you work on a patient in medical qigong, it's between you and the patient. So uh, it is very much uh, energetically working with the world or playing with the world. Um, so that's kind of the, the qigong. And then the question is, uh, uh, I was, what really got me in was the scientific Qigong, there was a world academic medical Qigong meeting over in Beijing. So I rounded up a bunch of doctors and therapists and we headed over to the conference and did a Qigong training. And I was very much the scientist in that. I wasn't very good at feeling this Qi stuff. Um, gradually, I, we took three or four trips and so I got better at it with practice. Uh, but still, everybody else was better than I was because they have a sense of 
uh, moving energy with the patient, the chiropractors, massage therapists are pretty much energetic, energetically oriented. Mm -hmm. So uh, my fascination has been actually long before this Qigong started, or I, my involvement in Qigong started, is um, what is the um, uh, what is the science? How can I relate as an engineer? How can I bring science into Qigong, or how can I have these energies become visible to science? How can you measure it and track it and maybe predict it? Yes, and perhaps uh, utilize it, discover its principles, and utilize it to enhance people's health, uh, particularly people who are not willing or, or don't understand how they can benefit from doing the exercises. And there's, there's a, a vast disparity in the understanding of Qigong between China and the West, correct? Would you describe that a little bit? I mean, is it common in China? I would say there's a vast disparity between Qigong practitioners and the Chinese people. Mm -hmm. uh, younger Chinese people, uh, if they want acceptance, they need to stay away from the ancient ways. It's very much like what we see on Star Wars. You know, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was an old recluse and nobody really believed in him. Oh, that's an interesting comparison. <laughs> yeah, and, and these young people in China, I go over there and I'm teaching them Chinese ways. I'm teaching them different methods for them to be healthy, for them to be aware of their life. It's really strange. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Is, uh, is Qigong in the, because I know uh, healthcare in China is nationalized. And so is, is Qigong used as a treatment in any of the national uh, treatment centers or hospitals or clinics? It's been up and down. It seems uh, when, when I went, it was a grand up. Uh, uh, Mao Zedong was repressing of Qigong because it brought up uh, kind of charismatic leaders. Mm. And um, Deng Xiaoping came into power. And um, so this is the 70s? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah, 70s. Uh, 70s, uh, let's see, or, or early 80s. Okay. And, and he, um, well, one of the uh, people I've worked with, a scientist who uh, put Qigong masters in the laboratory and managed to measure the energy coming out of their hand and reproduce it with with um, infrasonic equipment. She got national attention, and uh, her success may have been a seed that started this uh, world academic investigation into medical Qigong or, or Chinese. A whole lot of Chinese people a lot of scientific laboratories started studying these, they called them special function people, people who could do all kinds, influence all kinds of sensors with energy from their hands or from somehow. And so it became a, a major investigation effort to try to quantify this. Interesting. What kind of sensors were they tripping? What, what were the, what was the energy coming out of these people's hands? What was, I mean, did you... Uh, uh, almost anything. Uh, one guy up on stage could put magnetic energy out of his hand into a little uh, electric car, and he could stop the car. He could freeze up the motor with his magnet magnetic energy. Hmm. And uh, there are people in the United States who you have met probably who can freeze up their computer by being upset. Their computer just quits. There are people who just kind of break computers. I've done that before. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize it was a superpower, but I have that. I, yeah, that, that's... So you're okay. saying it's a result of release, releasing, what, like electromagnetic energy? In, in a focused way. In a focused way. Uh, we are electromagnetic beings. Right. And if we can focus it, the way people focus it when they're emotionally upset, 
um, except more focused, then we can begin to control it and we can begin to stop a car, not that anybody really wants to stop the motor of a car, mm-hmm. um, or uh, jam a computer. Uh, I remember I, I took a piece of electronic equipment where we were getting images and studying this Qigong phenomenon, and we wanted to see if we could get a change, so everybody tried to emit their energy to this person who was on the device. Mm-hmm. And the the computer screen went into static. And so that was interesting. So I started eliminating people, and there was one guy who every time he started doing his thing, it went into static. Nobody else could do it. And talking about to him later, he could kind of aim at streetlights and have them stop, turn off. And, mm-hmm. you know, they turn off for five minutes as they recycle and restart. Mm-hmm. So he could go down the street kind of blowing out streetlights. No um, kidding. Yeah. And he, like he's a, a chiropractor cool. in the United States. Yeah, interesting. And he knew he was aware that he could do this and he used it just for like as party as a party trick kind of a thing. And he was a chiropractor, and he used it in his practice. Huh. So, so it's a very handy thing to be able to control energies because uh, as I've gone further, uh, oh, his patients have places where energy gets stuck in their bodies. Mm-hmm. If you have an emotional issue, Mm-hmm. That is causing an energetic stagnation inside of you that builds up into a ball mm-hmm. that could be could turn into inflammation or a tumor or any other sort of thing. So to be able to sense where the blocks are and then uh, laser them, yeah, with a magnetic ray, a superpower, or right. or pluck them out the way the um, psychic surgeons of uh, uh, the Philippines and South America do. Yeah. Um, you know, that's um, that's a useful yeah, trick. Of course. Well, and it uh, it it kind of says that there's a whole nother, it, it suggests there's a whole nother way to go about um, healing a lot of types of disorders, physically and mental, mental disorders as well as physical. It's interesting because the way that you described that, I feel like I've talked to, psychologists before and they'll talk about it someone having a mental disorder in the same way you know there's blocks there's blockages and there's you know some of these terms are are used with health practitioners but they're almost used in an allegory kind of way they're used as an example they're not they're not literally saying that that's what's happening they're trying to give you an give the patient an example to understand but it's interesting to think that that actually might literally be happening so in terms of measuring if that is happening and like, how do we, do we know for sure? I mean, I think that common set in a common sense sort of way, it, it fits, it works, but there's a lot of people that did obviously are concerned with seeing something before they believe it as opposed to the reverse. And that maybe is another conversation on which one is a better way to create your reality. But how do we, can we measure an energy block? Uh, I know about a little bit about, about the meridians. Is, is that at play here? Okay, so we're dealing with paradigms here, mm-hmm. and uh, we live in largely an electrical world. Mm-hmm. Our physical world is held together with these, you know, positive and negative charges that stick together like salts and things. We're really held together by, by electrical bonds. Mm-hmm. and. And so, and our, all of our equipment measures electrical voltages and electrical currents. And so, if there is this magnetic ball that's just kind of a magnetic field that's going around itself, but is not connected to, uh, basically, an elect- it's not going through an electromagnetic sensor. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no way we can measure increases or decreases in magnetic flux. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. It's not participating in the scientific world unless, like the Qigong masters, are able to move their energy outside of themselves and into the sensor 
and then you see all kinds of wild, uh, wild readings. Mm-hmm. But when it's inside my body, you know, this magnetic whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, it's unmeasurable. Of course, they have electromyogram now, EMG, that can, mm-hmm. they have fields that can measure this magnetic field. They have sensors that can measure the magnetic field for 10, 10 feet around the body. Right. And um, that's a measure of this, uh, what the Chinese would call the qi field. So it's this field that's generated uh, not literally by the heart, but the circulation of blood around in a circular pattern yeah. as it comes into the heart, generate, and blood is, of course, a magnetic uh, material full of iron. Mm-hmm. It generates this field around the body. And then this is the interesting part. Within this field, there's an aspect of human consciousness yeah. The real us that can like interface with the body. So this field is the way our consciousness lands in our body. So that's a very interesting concept. It's a very interesting concept. Yeah. And, and when this field gets weak, uh, this is a, I've, I've observed this with my little bit of skill in Qigong. When this field gets weak, somebody cannot process emotions. They start to get really upset. Their field is too small to handle all the activity. So the activity, the magnetic, all these magnetic balls and stuff jam up in their body. And if I will put my hand, I put my hand on them and breathe, collect energy from the universe and put it into their body, the very basic Qigong stuff, um, for three or four minutes, they, they're all better. It's like all their problems go away temporarily. All we're doing is kind of giving them a temporary boost. And mm-hmm. then, but, but they can process their emotions. So a, a psychologist who can offer, you know how if you really listen to somebody, their problems are much more easy to deal with. Right. And so a psychologist who really listens to the client, mm-hmm. client-centered therapy, mm-hmm. um, suddenly the client solves his own problems. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And that's, that's largely this chi effect, sharing your field with the other person, makes a bigger field so they can process. Or mm-hmm. uh, contributing your energy to them, whatever happens there. Man, that's that's really fascinating. All right, let me ask you this: If uh, are you familiar with the, the Institute of Heart Math? Yes. I just thought of them because they put out a statistic I saw years ago that said that the heart generates X amount. I forget the specific. I think it was like ten or twenty times more electromagnetic energy than the brain. And I was wondering. Um, I mean, if that's true, they're, they're, cause they can measure that outside the body, which you just made a point too, is that we can measure this field outside the body. I'm confused as to why we can't measure it inside the body. Why, why wouldn't we be able to know, um, getting back to the bigger question, which is like, if there are blockages within the body, wouldn't that be interesting, helpful to know where they are? If you're a practitioner, if we can measure the field outside the body, why couldn't we measure it inside the body to see where there were weaker points of emission, right? Is that... Is that a good question, or am I am I off on a tangent? Well, it's a good question, and the problem is that the easiest way to do that mm-hmm. is to stop thinking, stop reading books, uh, stop trying to use our heads to find the answer, and start using our heart to find the answer. Mm. And then the very difficult part is be open to the possibility that we can be aware of the chunks of blockages in other people's bodies. And then you have people, uh, and I was a very difficult case. I was this engineer, everybody else was this practitioners who wanted tools to use. 
And I was an engineer who wanted to quantify with electrical equipment and measure. And so I was the worst student and very slow to learn. Um, and probably 20 years later, I can perceive uh, blockages in other people if I will relax and focus on it. So, so it's, it's um, maybe uh, electronic equipment will be developed that can measure it, but the scientist who develops it is going to have to do the Qigong training or some form of training so that he understands what it is that he's measuring. Once he understands that it's these swirling ball, balls of... Uh, here's the challenge. Earth has a big magnetic field. Right. And within that big... You imagine a lake. Mm -hmm. uh, a human body has this little vortex, very weak, a millionth of a... You know, one millionth as strong as Earth's field... So this little vortex in this lake that is hardly perceptible. It's not even on the surface. It's down below. It's a little spinning area in the lake. Right. And, and that's practically unmeasurable. Yes, they've managed to develop equipment that can actually say that it's there and, and be able to say how strong it is and do a little quantifying. But a swirl within that vortex is going to be really, really weak. It, but modern science is, is likely to be able to eventually measure little swirls within big swirls. But then how can we tell which little swirl is causing disease and which little swirl is doing good, which, you know, makes a person a genius or gives them a superpower or, you know, whatever else we're, we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So the ability to correlate uh, what these future very detailed scanners tell us with um, pain, with uh, what you call blockage, with all these other sorts of things, um, require somebody who is highly trained in these um, arts of the heart instead of um, analysis of the brain. Mm. Mm. I've never gone here before. This is a great conversation. It's cool, right? Yeah. Well, I think now people definitely have, a, anybody listening to this is going to have a really good feeling of who you are and what you're doing. So, um, so that's really great. Um, take me into, uh, yeah, take me now into the present day and, uh, uh, what your, what is your challenge now in 2020? I mean, what is, what's, what's the bulk of the work that you're doing now? Um, uh, my, uh, my current challenge is, uh, that I'm seeing, uh, what's going on in the world around us um, and uh, basically fear of uh, coronavirus, which seems to be something that's getting, as we, as we move forward, it appears to be getting weaker and weaker, uh, becoming more like a common cold. Mm -hmm. And what I understand, what I see going on, is that the same thing happened in China. The for death rates started out really high, and then they came down to really low. People just recovered without a problem after a while. Um, if you take somebody with a common cold and convince them that they are very likely to die, oh, you're going to put them in fear. And you are going to fill, the, fill them with adrenaline and cortisol that activate the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight response, and shut down the um, immune response. You can shut down the immune response with fear. And then a common cold can turn into pneumonia and kill you. 
So uh, what I see going on is this absurd picture of uh, our uh, those who were supposed to be taking care of us filling us with fear instead of filling us with hope, uh, hmm. telling us how horrible it is, even though they've been shown to be fibbing about the dangers of it, as we've gone along, the stories about how dangerous it is have drastically dropped, you know, how dangerous it is. So uh, that's the first observation, that the wrong approach is being applied if we really care about the population. Mm -hmm. uh, the, second, uh, the second problem is that this approach is offering only tools of fear. Stay in your home, don't contact other people, and wash your hands 20 times a day. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all you can, if you listen to the media, that's all you can do to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, grandmothers knew much better. Put on a sweater when it's cold. <laughs> um, uh, eat an orange. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know there, and there are all kinds of remedies that strengthen the chi, strengthen the immune immune system. Mm -hmm. Even having grandma or mom tell us everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, all of those things snap us back to life, bring our immune system alive. Put us and back parasympathetic. Put us back not only into parasympathetic, but nurture the parasympathetic mm -hmm. with um, the vitamin C, uh, all kinds of nurturing things, fresh, um, fresh fruits and vegetables are full of vitality and life. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically the answer is, the mainstream answer is wait until you get sick and then go see your doctor. And your doctor will, of course, tell you that you're not sick enough to be yeah. tested, but you're on the suspected list. Yeah. Total fear-based, yeah. not giving any tools for self-care. Right, other than wash your hands and wear a mask. And, and that's, the, well, that's just preventive. fear. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. But that's... So, the point there hasn't been uh, my wife and I commented on that three weeks ago mm -hmm. that there was like man it, it, that's when it was starting to get really serious and we were we were just uh, it's so surprised that no no one had anybody even the media or any doctors that we knew like no one was saying talking about how to boost your immunity everyone was just saying get ready for not being able to go to the hospital so uh wash your hands and and wear a mask and take showers and I thought man that seems surprising light in terms of the information that we could be given about this Oh, we put out a press release uh, to the mainstream press, and our press release company told us, I'm sorry, uh, anything that disagrees with the uh, CDC recommendations on caring for coronavirus cannot be put out in a press release. So your press release is rejected. Interesting. What did so, they? Agree with? What's that? What didn't the CDC agree with? Oh, the CDC says uh, wash your hands, put on a mask, stay home, mm -hmm. and anything out of that does not correlate with CDC recommendations. Oh, okay. So it is not publishable. The mainstream media wow. does not publish it. So it wasn't even that they, that they did that they disagreed with what you were saying. It was just that yours wasn't one of the four bullet points that they said. So they were like, "No, forget about it." Right. They are not allowed to put out press releases that are outside of the CDC recommendations. Interesting. Interesting. So, so, so when you say we, by the way, you say we. That's your your company is uh, what's the name of your company again? Chi Institute. Chi Institute. That's the one in Reno. Yes. Got it. Okay. Sorry, continue. Um, the, the key here is that it's obvious to you and it's obvious to me 
and it's obvious to almost everybody when they look at it but we have all these people operating from fear actually believing that if you put people into fear they're more likely to obey and we're more likely to survive that's the key we have all these people repeating the fear mm -hmm. so as this blows over mm -hmm. if we can get the word out mm -hmm. that this is what happened uh, you know how hard it is to get the word out. Nobody, nobody will. Put, well, with you, you can just put it out there, and your group will get it, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as getting it out to the mainstream, if we can get it out to the mainstream, it reveals an agenda of mainstream medicine. I looked further. The people who are dying are virtually all people with some kind of chronic illness or smoking or vaping, something that damages the lungs. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at the chronic illnesses and looked at the drugs that were provided for chronic illnesses. And every one of those drugs that I could find represses the immune function. So the doctors are giving us drugs that are making us more dependent on doctors and making us unable to defend ourselves with our immune, our own immune systems. Mm. So that will be seen. That will be clearly seen, uh, whether in a month, a year, 10 years, however long it takes. Mm. And that will radically transform the medical system toward more of a, Nurturing the if you nurture the immune system, mm -hmm. you don't need doctors. So that's it, it. Just doesn't work with their model. Mm -hmm. But it has it. It has to be a part of our lives. So mm -hmm. that's that's really how that that's been my focus through this month. How can we get the word out there about um, all these methods? The methods that are right in front of us that we have just shopping for fruits and vegetables instead of shopping for processed boxes of grain mm -hmm. that by itself is going to double or triple our the power of our immune system right dumping and in, jumping into that vein about improving the healthcare system um the healthcare system's going under a pretty big strain right now, and there might be some reform after this. I imagine that there will be, just because a lot of hospitals weren't ready for something like this, and we know that um, this is really common. We've had three SARSes in the you know since we've had one in two thousand three, then we had one in two thousand twelve. We had this one, even if it's not um, as deadly as we first thought, it's really annoying, and there you know it's very likely that more of them can happen, and it can inhibit productivity across the planet because there's more people on the planet than there ever were before. We all travel more. We're all interconnected more. So all it takes is a virus um, to kind of, you know, may, I'd, maybe it won't be as uh, impactful as this one, but it, future ones could be, like I said, um, a thorn in the side of productivity. So if, if healthcare systems were to change, um, how do you see that happening in the best way possible? It's a big question. <laughs> I can say if if healthcare systems, I would back up and say if human, if the quality of human life is to change. Oh wow! Um, because healthcare systems put us in a box, and healthcare systems imply insurance, and healthcare systems imply a doctor. And healthcare systems imply all of these things. Right. If we would just step back and see, the, this is our new theme, uh, enhance your human experience, that as we enhance our own bodies and our own clarity, you know, this being aware of energies, being aware that something is stuck in me, that 
I can pull out myself just because I've taken the time to be, to cultivate the force, uh, to cultivate my heart awareness instead of focus on my brain awareness. Um, suddenly, I am taking charge of my own health. And more than that, it's not just my health. Health is limiting. It is my quality of life. It mm. is my, um, we have the, the uh, user experience, the bigger the screen, the softer the seats, the, all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It ignores whether I can even feel the seats, whether my ears even work. Uh, the standard healthcare system uh, contributes to cataracts, loss of hearing, all these sorts of things. If I take care of my own quality of life, mm -hmm. I am going to be clearer, I'm going to be quicker, I'm going to be more creative, I'm going to be more, if I choose to be, more in touch with the spiritual realities that we live in, mm -hmm. and less uh, limited to this kind of dry, cold, material, materialistic, mental way of life. Mm -hmm. my, my human experience, instead of the um, user experience, the human that is experiencing that soft leather or that nice stereo, suddenly within me there is a richer experience of life. Mm -hmm. Now that's the reward for pursuing our own quality of life. And that's the gift that this Qigong, uh, that scientific Qigong offers to everybody. And it's not, you don't need to study Qigong. All you need to do is to choose that you are responsible for your quality of life, not uh, the quality of your health insurance. Paying more for your health insurance is not going to improve your quality of life. It's just going to assure that when you go to the hospital, more tests are, are done. That's all that does. So this is re really a bit of stepping into our own um, responsibility for our own lives and care for our own lives. That's a really great way to put it, because I think that it seems that the more we give up responsibility for certain parts of our life, that is where we create the most sort of uh, the most corruption bubbles, I guess, is a word to put it. You know, people um, like an exa another example to me is like banking. People just want to put their money and just they want to give it to somebody to invest. They want to put it into an account. I don't want to, you know, because for hundreds and hundreds of years, you kept it under your pillow. You kept it under your, you know, in your basement. And we finally got to a, a point in um, ledger evolution and banking evolution where you could put it in a safe place. And so it's almost like, look how much corruption has occurred in that particular sector of society because of that. And the same thing goes with our health. People just, they don't want it. They're terrified of their own body, of what, of what could go wrong. Cause it seems like there's, it's one of those systems that you don't fully understand. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And that's, you make me think of all this and then that people just want to outsource it. They don't want to be stressed because it seems overwhelming. So they want to outsource it to a professional who knows what's going on with them and just trust that that's the way that it works. But it probably doesn't work best that way, right? You, you, one place you've carried me to is uh, we're fearful of our bodies. You said something like that. Yeah. And really, uh, the mistake we make, a huge mistake, which is a necessary assumption for the materialist paradigm, is that I am my body. And that's this assumption people make. And yet my body, as I said before, this, this magnetic field of my heart allow, gives a place for, it's sometimes called the seat of the soul. The heart mm -hmm. is the seat of the soul. It's this place for this higher us to land, whether we call it the soul or the higher self or I, this 
this part of us that actually looks, the, the part of us that watches our thoughts, uh, that part of us, there's a, an electrical system where there's an aspect of this that lands. There's a, a mental aspect, which is, in my testing, a gravitational field around the head. Um, uh, we've got lots of uh, kind of gravitational sensing and interacting um, little granules in our brain that we're not in our brain, but in our, um, uh, our glands, uh, our endocrine system. And that's and, around the head. That's not around the rest of the body. Well, the whole body, every place we have a, an endocrine system or yeah. uh, so the, the kidneys and the uh, kind of lots of organs around. Uh, but it's, it's principally around the head mm -hmm. where this magnetic is, is centered around the heart. Um, and oh, the Chinese uh, teach the electrical is centered in the the hara or the dantian, you know, an inch below the navel. This mm -hmm. this place that that they will focus on to build energy so they can break bricks and things. That's very physical, and that's where that physical energy is centered. So. Uh, this is all part of the, the science that I have been exploring and developing. Um, this, um, this is, uh, the, the Chinese teach that you cultivate each of these three aspects of human consciousness. Uh, they call it Dantian, seeds of consciousness. So as we cultivate them and focus our awareness on them, our, who we really are can land more fully in our bodies. And this is where we gain the ability to feel, everything becomes more enjoyable as we nurture our bodies so they can land more, so we can land more completely in them. Mm -hmm. so, so this is, this sounds rather weird and religious but it's certain but it's only a uh, non-materialist framework we're not assuming that we are just our bodies I love that is that the framework of Qigong um, the flame the framework of uh, uh, the science of Taoism uh, and I, I view Taoism as a science is these three seeds of consciousness that we can nurture. You can you can focus your meditations or your exercises on any one of these three, and you really need to do do all three to be fully cultivated in the systems of a qigong or Buddhism or Taoism, and and all the religions have these uh, hidden uh, training methods. Would you say that Qigong more is more of a practice and Qigong is more of a practice and Taoism is more of a philosophy? Qigong is a basket. It basically, it, it was a word created in like the 50s, the 1950s, not long ago, yeah. for that just may, means Qi is energy, human vitality. Gong is practice or exercise or cultivation. And so... It's all of that stuff. Every one of those things, yoga is a qigong, even though it's from India. Um, everything, every medi meditation that's done around the world is a qigong because it's cultivating a part of the body. So it's, it's just a big basket name. Gotcha. So most things are qigong, but qigong is not most things. You could kind of say like Taoism it can fit into qigong, but... Qigong would not, you can't say, is some part of Taoism. A Qigong would be studying the uh, uh, non-materialist um, ways of life, that just in all forms. Mm. That, I'm, uh, now, a Chinese person would insist that you have to be Chinese to, to, to even have any concept for Qigong. Yeah. But since most of the young Chinese have forgotten about Qigong, I don't think the Chinese have a claim 
that much of a claim to Qigong anymore, unless they go back and reclaim it. Where in the world is it most practiced then? Not China anymore, it sounds like. Oh, the materialist uh, framework is spreading. No, I mean Qigong. Qigong, I mean. Um, uh, China has, has had its up and downs. In the, in the 80s and 90s, there was a grand... Uh, renaissance of Qigong, hundreds of thousands of people practicing in the park and all of that. Then we had uh, Falun Gong with its millions of followers and a charismatic leader who the China government decided was dangerous. So they shut down all forms of Qigong and repressed it. And uh, then there's been a little bit of a resurgence lately, mm -hmm. which is nice. Um, but it's, it's this, uh, the government needs to maintain control and you can't have, uh, secondary leaders. You, you can't have other competing groups that have other ways of looking at things. So that's, that's part of this challenge here. Yes. In India, there's still a lot, uh, there are a lot of ashrams in India, yeah. United States may be a leader, even though we're probably also a leader in the materialist paradigm, we're a leader in the metaphysical paradigms. Hmm. So um, we are eclectic. We have a lot going on here. We've got a lot going for us. <laughs> yeah. And, and really, uh, if we can communicate and support this uh, alternative to uh, fear and, you know, the, the whole thing I talked about of the, the, the way the, the medicine and other um, philosophies of the United States are repressing mm -hmm. us. If we choose to cultivate our own um, lives, our own quality of life, mm -hmm. uh, and we stand together to do it, mm -hmm. if we, uh, all we have to do is stand together for the right to do it and we'll be in good shape. Mm. So, so everybody who's, you know, every, uh, you talk to chiropractors, um, acupuncturists, homeopaths, all these different groups, and everyone will find fault with the other approaches. Yeah. You know, like, just okay. like mainstream medicine says, well, if you believe that acupuncture or homeopathy will do something for you, then maybe you'll get some benefit from it. Oh, that's a way to say it's total bullshit, but it, your belief is important. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they'll all do that. And uh, so what is really needed is for us to stand together for the right to um, I studied homeopathy enough to discover that it is one of the most best bang for the buck medical methods in this world. Mm. And yet uh, homeopaths can't make money because uh, yeah. the little sugar pill has been so bashed by mainstream medicine. Um, but it is a powerful form of medicine and every mother can learn it when I had, I learned it because I had a son. I have a son. Uh, he's now a big son. Um, and uh, so I studied and practiced, and I found it very effective for him. And I was the mother. I was the caretaker. I, I was able to provide a better quality of life just by studying on my own. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly the ability to go in and simply uh, sweep over somebody who's in pain, mm -hmm. emotional or physical pain, mm -hmm. suddenly they feel a whole lot better and their healing response is activated and they're going to get better faster. Um, all these simple little things that are so easy to do, mm -hmm. um, like shopping in the uh, produce uh, at a part of the supermarket mm -hmm. um, uh, are right there for us. 
and we have all of this uh, media advertising telling us to do other things that will make profit for other people. That's really it. I was gonna that that kind of answers the question I was gonna ask, but I'll ask it anyways because maybe you've got a better answer. But what's the heart of the problem of why more people don't do it? That's a really good question. The heart of the problem why most people don't do it because we believe that we are the body. We believe that. Uh, but okay, now we're getting into another technology. Uh, you probably remember, uh, you've had a few of my products for a while that you've been playing with, right? Well, use the one. I still use okay. the, um, I forget the name of it, but it's the. The, the Infratonic. The yes. Yeah. Um, well, this is the Nesser. Uh, there is a whole lot of stuff stored down in the, the Infratonic is wonder it was built, uh, developed by the woman in Beijing who found the emitted chi and reproduced it. And it is very good for the emotional body, for to free up and strengthen the flow of energy in the emotional body in the chi. But uh, I found that some people were not getting better. And so this jing, the, the part of the body that's based around the lower abdomen, this electrical quality of our consciousness, mm -hmm. um, stores uh, unconscious trauma. It stores um, a commonly um, be, uh, developmental trauma is the word. PTSD for adults. Mm. Developmental trauma, if you were one year old and you desperately needed help and your mother wasn't there. You developed this abandonment that's really hard to get in touch with because mm -hmm. you didn't have language, you didn't have emotional processing. And it's just this thing that lives in this a very low frequency down in the delta range, um, uh, electrical patterning. Mm -hmm. that isn't available to the conscious awareness, it's not available to the psychologist, and what we have called it is a reactive lie. Mm -hmm. So your body believes that it will not be cared for when it has a need. Um, so it does not trust. And so the cells of the body are going to believe that, and they're not going to be a part of the team. And so we get um, uh, autoimmune conditions. We get, um, oh, that uh, inner critic that says, that was really stupid. You screwed up again. Or um, there's no hope. You're never going to get it. There's this inner voice that we kind of picked up when we were one year old. And it's a reactive lie that we might not even be aware that it's speaking. We might not hear it as a voice. It's just this thing that causes us to self-sabotage or causes us to do all kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. So to me, uh, still working on the answer to your question of what's the real problem, we have been programmed over the centuries uh, in, we inherit this stuff instinctually as well. So our parents' reactive lies are in our bodies as well because it's very, very electrical, very um, related to the physical body. So clearing those reactive lies mm -hmm. becomes a real challenge. If our parents feel that the only way to survive is to fight a war against the bad guys, mm -hmm. they're going to have to find bad guys and fight a war. Right. And that's the way this world is now. The past has had so many um, uh, warlords and uh, all these other people who would go around chopping your head off because you looked at them wrong. Um, and so many so much corruption and so much need to overthrow tyranny that that's what's stored in our bodies. And we need to clear that out, ideally clear that out of ourselves before we have children. 
um, and then our children will be mostly free of it and they can work on clearing it further. But it's a multi-generational solution um, where the problem is, well, uh, one of the lies is there's nothing I can do. I walk alone in this world. Mm -hmm. I, I will be abandoned in times of need. Mm -hmm. uh, these are just these reactive lies that are stored at that very deep unconscious level that really drive our behavior. So anyway, th there's an answer to your question. That's a phenomenal answer. And, it, and the way you got there was, was so illuminating too. So it's just interesting when you paint that is, is the answer. Uh, you know, I'm still left going, well, what's the best way to, to get people to, uh, to practice the right um, methodologies to do that work? And, I, you know, I guess at the end of the day, it's just a matter of you can't force everyone to do it. They've got to get there on their own. Um, but, man, that's really compelling. That's a that's a. It's kind of like a mind blowing little uh, mind blowing <laughs> last five minutes. That was really amazing. Um, that's cool. So uh, this and this again, getting back to the work that you do, this is the work of the Chi Institute. I imagine is this you develop products, but you're also kind of putting out the message that you've been sharing with me for the last uh, 45 minutes. Um, what else? What other work do you do there? Um, oh, definitely the message. And what are the problems that we face? We, we've talked about a couple of them. Um, this unconscious reactivity, the um, emotional uh, stuckness and the globs that get it stuck in the body. The, those mm -hmm. are, we have products that illustrate them and clear, clear a lot of it. Uh, but we have teachings or stuff that people can do to help them to gain more consciousness of it. Um, the, the main third, well, uh, fourth perhaps, we also covered this great issue of um, governmental fear. Mm -hmm. Controlling us by fear is seriously damaging our health and damaging our quality of life. Mm -hmm. The fourth one is oxidative pollution, which is a very different sort of thing, but it is a form of bad chi, mm -hmm. which, which I've been studying for a while. It's in the air, it's produced by combustion, and it's not the particulates uh, of pollution. It is the energy, the very high energy of pollution. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's like when uh, uh, when gasoline is burning in your engine, mm -hmm. when it comes back together, when the oxygens and hydrogen and carbons come back together into molecules, they release these very high energy ultraviolet ionizing photons into the atmosphere, mm -hmm. into the engine of the car, into the exhaust, and those go into the environment. Mm -hmm. And those, those ionizing potentials carried by molecules get mm. into your body and create free radicals, um, can uh, elevate your um, uh, uh, free radical level, your inflammation level, the amount of pain that you feel from all other conditions. You can see why I had, why this is an important thing in, in my work. It's, it's a fundamental core to human suffering. Oh, yeah. Um, I originally discovered it, or originally got the first inklings of it, mm -hmm. uh, when, when I took all those doctors to China. Mm -hmm. And um, there was this very strong Qigong master who had this very strong finger, mm -hmm. and he, he could do a one-finger push-up, which mm -hmm. was impressive. Uh, but also... He had many other skills, mm -hmm. and he came around asking for a coin from us, mm -hmm. and so we would give him a little aluminum coin. He would put it in our hand, close our hand, and say, okay, I'm directing all your bad chi, all your toxic chi into your hand, and it will dissolve. It will disappear. 
dissolve the coin? No, no. It it, it will um, clean your energy, make you healthier. Oh, I got you. And so, you know, we, uh, I, I did have a bunch of common sense doctors along, and so we were kind of, they were willing to be skeptical with me. Um, and um, then the coin got hotter and hotter, and there was a little steam that started coming out, and most of us had to drop it because it got so hot. No kidding. Uh, there was some kind of energy that he was directing out of the body into the coin, and it was basically an oxidizing process of uh, turning that aluminum into aluminum oxide that was absorbing our um, this, uh, what I've called the oxidative pollution that got into our bodies. So, so this oxidative pollution uh, was demonstrated by a Qigong guy, and I've seen it in a lot of other places as well. There, there are two cities, two towns down in uh, Ecuador, in South America. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Vilcabamba, where uh, uh, in the last century, it was one of the blue zones where 5% of the population was over 100 years old. Wow. And And... Then 40 miles away is Loja, mm-hmm. which is the cultural center of Loja, of, of Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And in Loja, um, there are far more cars. And they have the worldwide normal rate of diabetes and heart disease, mm-hmm. all the diseases that are, ca- that are correlated with um, uh, high levels of free radicals in the body. Mm-hmm. And so Vilcabamba mm-hmm. doesn't have the high levels of diabetes and heart disease. You're saying the, com- the combustible engine is one, is one of the high, highest contributors to free radical uh, existence in the body? Is it that, or is it just... Uh, uh, yes, yes. I am saying uh, that there's uh, car engines... There is factories, depending on how close you are to a factory. Mm-hmm. And there is uh, another massive source, which is agricultural burning. Uh, in many parts of the world, and it used to be around the world, people burned the, the leftover wheat and rice uh, before they plant. They, they burn, burn it all up. Because it's easier than, than clearing it or plowing it or whatever. Okay. And burning it off is putting a massive amount of oxidative pollution into the air. Hmm. Whereas keeping, keeping it there is, um, well, decreasing the carbon load on the planet. Mm-hmm. And building the soil, if you burn it, the soil gets thinner and thinner and less... Uh, less nurturing, every, less fertile every year. Mm-hmm. And if you turn it in, you can maintain much of the fertility and build a soil, actually mm-hmm. increase the soil. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's this, uh, the um, agricultural burning, the car engines and the um, factories are the big contributors to this. Very interesting. Okay. So, so that's my... Uh, that's our other message that Chi Institute is attempting to communicate to the world. Uh, that this oxidative pollution mm-hmm. is a very serious problem. And mm-hmm. it appears that this oxidative pollution, when it is carried by a water molecule, mm-hmm. the water molecule becomes a very powerful greenhouse gas. And the water molecules probably account for vastly more of the greenhouse warming than uh, the carbon dioxide. So, so carbon sequestering misses the point. It's reducing oxidative pollution that is likely to make the big difference. Um, I haven't heard any, I haven't heard anyone talk about that, which scares me. No, no, that it's, I feel like I, yeah, I know, but that's weird. 
you know, there's, there's, <laughs> I feel like there's such a narrow, we just get a, a narrow view of, uh, of what's really going on if we just watch mainstream all the time. There was another question I want to ask you, but I have to look okay. it up real quick. Uh, I've got my notes here in my, um, Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna find it right now. That's too bad. Anyway, well, we, we've done good. Then we've made it through all a bunch of your questions. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it's and it was. It's just so interesting to me. It's very fascinating. I, look, I love the work that you do. Uh, I have for a couple of years, and uh, I appreciate you sharing with me. So, um, is there anything I should know about what you're doing or what the institute is doing this year? Um, you know, I think I asked you before. What's your challenge for the year? You've got a few challenges from the sounds of it, but what, what keeps you up at night right now? What keeps me up at night? I sleep really good. Um, <laughs> uh, but what keeps me busy yeah. is uh, well, building and enhancing the uh, Chi.us website. And that's the one I sent you to so that you could get a good really... idea of where we are. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's most of what I'm doing. We're doing a lot of adding posts to the website with all of this information, sort of in short articles that can be searched and easily found as resources. So that's, um, that's primarily what I'm doing. Uh, there's some product research as well. There's um, getting a couple of new products into production. Um, which, as the engineer on those, I'm interfacing with the factory and um, being sure that everything is up to quality. Um, but, but really, the target is the Chi.us website, really building that so it can deliver a solid message effectively. Mm -hmm. and, and we're working on, and you can help with this, and you are helping with this, mm -hmm. um, letting people know that this is a resource to um, uh, move the world toward um, well, enhancing your human experience, that's our theme, to uh, choosing a better way. So that's, that's, that's primarily what we want to do. The way that you say it, though, is it's very understated, but it's very profound. You know, it's not too grandiose enhance your human experience but obviously it's very profound if you're doing it so i think you've chosen the right term well look i think that you're going to have your hands really full uh this year and then going forward because i think more people probably will be looking for the um for answers like this i don't know we'll see i think so i'm a fan you know that richard so thanks for coming on again it's so good to talk to you man and um i'll probably want to talk to you again when hopefully when we're on the backside of the curve of this virus and see if there's been any uh, changes in what you're seeing and if you think the message, the overall message is getting better. And um, and I'll just want to check in with you and what you're doing. So anyways, thanks again oh, for coming on. Oh, uh, may I say, I would encourage people to uh, speak their truth, not be repressed by mainstream fears or those other people who are telling them to keep quiet because it's discouraging obedience so speak their truth speak the truth that's a good takeaway that's great advice all right well thank you sir i'll be speaking my truth thank you all right yours thank you <laughs> all this, right, has been, this has been great and enlightening for me too good 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 all righty now i'm going to go ahead and end this okay Thanks.